We turn in the Holy Scriptures this evening to Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing, nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then was Daniel brought in before the king and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, 
have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee, that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck and shalt be the third ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom, and majesty and glory and honor, and for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would slew, and whom he would he kept alive, and whom he would he set up, and whom he would he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear not, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Mine, mine, tekel, ufarsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, and put a chain of gold about his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain, and Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. I'm going to look at this entire chapter, but especially verses 22 to the end, which we're not going to read again. But our focus, of course, is on the handwriting of the wall, the words and their interpretation. This story in the Holy Scriptures is well known. 
not only in the world of the church that claims the Scriptures to be the Word of God, but in the world of men. So well known is this passage that it has made its way into our own language, and many know the phrase, to see the handwriting on the wall, which phrase comes from this passage. And all men know what it means. What it means is to take heed to the warning of signs, signs of impending doom, and that if one fails to do that, one is a fool, and one is responsible for his own doom. All know the phrase and its meaning, but most have forgotten where it comes from and its specific application to man in general. Proof that man to whom this Word of God is written is no more inclined to heed that Word than was the man Belshazzar to whom it was written by God's own hand. This was the Word of the living God written by God's own hand in the plaster of the walls of the palace of Belshazzar. It was the Word of God to that man about his own kingdom and about his own life, but it being recorded on the pages of Holy Scripture, it is a Word of God that is still written for everyone to see and to know and to take note of, especially in these last days and hours of the world. It is a Word of God to man, whoever he is, and wherever he is. From those who live in palaces and presidential homes, who live in mansions and drive wonderful, luxurious cars and yachts, to the homeless man on the street who's being consumed by drugs and alcohol. This is the Word of God's impending just judgment upon this wicked king, Belshazzar, and upon his kingdom, Babylon. But being recorded in Holy Scripture, this is a warning of God to all men, to unbelieving man, and his anti-Christian kingdom, that his kingdom is being numbered, has been numbered, and it is finished. The time and duration of man and his kingdom is fixed by God and will end at his appointed time. It is a word of God that man and his kingdom has been judged by God, put in the balance, weighed and found wanting. That is, all of man and his accomplishments and his kingdom, even at its greatest heights, is judged as worthless 
and empty by God because it is lacking the one thing man was made to do, which is to glorify God, his Creator. And this is the word of God to man and his kingdom, that that kingdom is divided and taken away. Man shall be separated from this life and his kingdom in this life. And this life and this kingdom is lost to man, for it is given to another. Not another man as such, and another anti-Christian man and kingdom, but to our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one, in fact, who numbers man and judges him and finds him lacking. This Word of God, not only written on the plaster of Belshazzar's palace, but also written by the very finger of God on the pages of Holy Writ, is the Word of God to us. It is the Word of God that condemns us as human beings, that condemns us as the children of Adam, that condemns us as depraved and wicked as the men and women of the kingdoms of this world, anti-God and anti-Christian. It is a word of God that calls us to repentance. It is a word of God that calls us to come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. A word of God to spend our days watching and in prayer, not in partying and defiling the holy things of God with the ungodly. It is the word of God to us this morning, this evening, that makes us ask the question, do we see that our days are numbered, that all that we are and do will be weighed in the balance and will be judged. The question will be asked, did we glorify God or not? And all that is not to the glory of God will be taken away, smashed to pieces. It is the Word of God to us that should make us lift up our eyes and pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Consider with me the handwriting on the wall. God's Word to man, and we notice three things. The first is under that word, mene, which is God's repeated word to man. Then that word, tekel, which is God's just judgment upon man. And then finally, that last word, ufarsin or ferez, which is God's word, will be certainly fulfilled. First, we consider that this handwriting on the wall is the word mene, mene, which is teaching that God's word is a repeated word to man. That word, importantly, 
in the handwriting of the wall is repeated. And Daniel is given to understand exactly why that word especially is repeated and not the other words. That word in the original literally is the word minah, which is a large unit of weight or measure. It is a word like pounds and ton. And the prophet is given to see that when God repeats that word, he is referring to something that is numbered or weighed to an end. And since it is a basic unit of measure in business, and the basic unit of measure in the kingdom of Babylon, that which is being numbered, that which is being weighed, is the kingdom of Babylon and its king and its people and their lives and their works. What's being weighed is their culture and their education, their accomplishments, their purpose, and their design. And what the Lord is saying to man in that repetition is that He is the Lord who has fixed the time and duration of that kingdom. He has determined the number of its days. And now those days are numbered. They are at an end. Mene, mene, counted. And that's it. This word that is repeated is a word, however, that cannot be separated from the other words. It is a word that comes with a message, but a single message that belongs and cannot be separated, therefore, from the other words of that handwriting on the wall, Tekel and Upharsin. Together they make up one complete word of God to man. One whole message that is written with one hand of God upon a wall. Tekel builds upon the mene mene and means literally weighed or judged, not simply counted, and counted now to the full, but also weighed in the balance. And Ufarsin means divided, and divided in such a way that something is smashed to pieces. This is God's handwriting on the wall. This, of course, as even a child can see, was the Word of God concerning the kingdom of Babylon in the last hours of its existence, and a word that He gave to the king himself of that kingdom, as well as all his lords and wise men. This is the Word of God, that that kingdom shall be destroyed. And this is the Word of God about the kingdom Babylon that had done things and actions to his own people. This was the kingdom that had besieged and overrun Jerusalem, that had leveled God's 
temple that had stolen its treasures, that had killed and slain untold number of its people and took others into captivity so that there, seeing this handwriting on the wall, is Daniel, a child of God. And there, before the king, as he observes that handwriting on the wall, are all the vessels, the holy vessels of God from his temple. This was really a word of God to that king and his kingdom about why that was. Why it was that he was able to conquer not only the nations, but the nation of Judah and Israel. Why it was that he overran not only many cities in the world, but Jerusalem itself. The answer to the question is, God had numbered this kingdom. God had established its purpose and its use on the earth. God had even used that king and his kingdom to punish and chastise his own people. But now, its days are at an end. Keep in mind that what God has to say then about this kingdom stands for that which this kingdom represents. This is the world power of its day. It is the anti-Christian world power of its day. This is the anti-Christian world power that God has used to punish and to chastise an apostate people, destroying many in His just judgment, while at the same time affecting great repentance in many others. This is the Word of God, then, to the great kingdom of man that will culminate in the kingdom of the Antichrist as told on the pages of Holy Scripture. One man and one great kingdom that has laid waste to the church. A church that has apostatized and forsaken the Holy Gospel to follow after idols, even the idols of the nations. A church that is in bondage to sin and death. A kingdom that God will Himself raise up, has determined it shall be, but a word of God that says that kingdom's days are numbered. And you will notice, therefore, that even in the pages of Holy Scripture, where the Antichrist and his kingdom are further explained, that that is a common feature, that that kingdom has its days numbered and are cut off at the appointed time by God. This is the Word of God that God still continues to speak from the pages of Holy Scripture and by His prophets. This handwriting is still a handwriting of God that is seen, known, and interpreted 
by the prophets of God for all to see. This is the Word of God that He continues to speak. That man, his breath, his life, his spirit, his existence are all in God's hand. That's what we're told even in verse 23. All things are in thy hand, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, thou hast not glorified. This is the word of God to man, that man does not determine his days. Man does not determine his ways. Man, for all his highly touted free will, is in the hands of God. That God is Lord and sovereign. God is his master. God is the giver of his life. God is the sovereign over all his ways. Not man, but God is Lord. This is the word of God to man that all his days are numbered. They're fixed. They're determined by God and cannot change. This is the word of God that you will not live one more minute, not one more second than God has determined. This is the word of God that no matter how you try, you will not live forever. You will not accomplish all your desires. But there is an end. An end determined by God. An end to your ways. An end to your activities. An end to your breath. An end to your life. And a Word of God that says it's very near. Perhaps hours. Perhaps days. Perhaps years. But regardless, it is near. When God wrote that word upon the wall and repeated that word, mene, mene, this was not the first time God had spoken that word to Belshazzar or to the Babylonian kingdom. God, with his finger, was only confirming that which he had already revealed. You see, the Persians who would slay this king and take his kingdom from him had been marching on Babylon already many, many months. Repeatedly, the Persians and the Medes and their army had bested the greatest warriors that Babylon had to offer. Warriors that had conquered the entire world of its day, forcing them back again and again and again until they are all holed up in one city, Babylon. They had besieged the city so that none might escape or enter in. A clear word from God that Belshazzar and the Babylonian kingdom's days are numbered and at an end. God wrote these words with his own finger upon the wall because that word of God 
already spoken and brought to the king and his kingdom had been ignored and rejected. The response of this king and his lords was foolish and offensive to God. At the very moment that the Babylonian kingdom, so great and so powerful, teeters after watching many, many of his greatest warriors fall in battle and the greatest army of its day being pushed back to the walls after seeing his own people slaughtered their farms and businesses burnt to the ground this king throws a party the party to end all parties he calls all of his lords all of his wives all of his concubines he gathers all the alcohol and the music blasts a party is his response to the word of God your kingdom is numbered and at an end this is the word of God that he repeatedly speaks to man today and how man reacts to that word of God they know the word mene, our days are numbered and finished. The evidence is all around us. Man cannot escape it or ignore it. No man has ever escaped death. No disease has been fully conquered. No nation has lasted more than a few hundred years. The economy shows itself time and time again to be fragile. The globe is full of war and rumors of war. There is no end to devastation in nature and by man. Famines, pestilence, cancers, crime. This is the Word of God speaking endlessly and repeatedly to man your days are numbered and soon will end and this is the word of God that man repeatedly ignores and responds to with increasingly offensive reaction Man's response is essentially the same as Belshazzar. These are all members of one king and kingdom who themselves respond to that word of God by saying, let us party. Let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Let us gather as much as we can in this life. Let us make the best of it. Let us get all that we can get. And then let us die. This is the Word of God that comes to us. That comes to us even as it came to the church of Daniel's day. This was the same Word of God that he sent through the prophets. 
Even as Babylon was barreling down upon the nation, God sent prophet after prophet and told them exactly what was going to happen. Called the people to repentance, told them exactly what was going to happen. And the response was the same as that of Belshazzar. This was the word of God that came to the remnant in captivity and came by the mouth of the prophet who brought it to them. This is the word that comes to you. Your days are numbered and they soon will end. You do not determine your days and what you will accomplish and what you will do. God does. Your life is in His hands. And this is a word of God that has come repeatedly to us since we were little children. And what has been our response to that word of God? Repeated over and over again. And to us, not only out there in the world, unmistakably, but repeatedly right from the prophet's mouth. Tekel, which is a word of God's just judgment of man. That this is the case is evident not only from the word itself, but the emphasis of God upon the timing when that word is given and where. Now like that word mene, which is simply a form of mina, a unit or weight of measure, so is the word tekel. You are familiar with the word shekel. It is a unit of measure or weight, especially of money. And the prophet is given to see that it has here a double meaning. That in the light of the fact that it follows mene mene, when the Lord adds the word tekel, which is a far smaller weight of measure. Think of a pound in comparison, say, to a ton. As if God had said, a ton, a ton, a pound. The prophet is given to seeing the meaning, which is not only are your days numbered and come to an end, but God has weighed them. God has compared them. God has put all that you are and all that you have done on a scale. Compared it to the mene mene. And it comes up short. Far short. It's found wanting. This is a word of God that has this meaning. A number one, that that which God has to say, His word is not simply a word to the king, to Belshazzar, to perhaps even the thousand lords and those in the room, but as a word of God to all, from the greatest to the smallest in His kingdom. It is a word of God to all men. And number two, the fact 
is that man, even man accumulated, man in all that he does, man collectively, man in all that he does in one life or a billion lives, does not ever measure up to the full mene that God requires. He's weighed, judged, and found wanting. This is emphasized especially by when that word appears, not only where it is written, but when it appears. Then we read, that is, at the very moment this king's heart is lifted up to the height of his foolish pride, when he proclaims his own sovereignty, his own lordship, when his heart is filled with every lust, when he's in a drunken stupor, his mind is not capable of any sober thought. Then, then, the word appears. And notice the reaction. There is an instantaneous sobering up. A hush falls upon the whole party and crowd. The music stops. The laughter and the giggling ends. It is replaced with terror. Terror seizes upon them. They are snatched out of their drunken revelry. And the proud, powerful king goes white as a sheet. His knees shake. And he cannot get up because of that word on the wall. This is as is intended. Imagine this is simply the part, a part, of a hand of God writing on the wall. This is the Word of God that is only four simple words and one of them repeated. But this is the reaction of man to the Word of God. And yet, he does not repent. Man may sober up. Man may be filled with terror. Man may cease for a while from his laughter and his giggling and his foolish joking, but he does not repent. This Word of God is that God, therefore, not only judges man, but His judgments are just. They are justly deserved. King Belshazzar knew what God required. He knew of his obligation toward God. He knew of that obligation even as the king of Babylon because it had been revealed to his father. He knew all about it, as Daniel himself points out, after he recalls the whole story of Nebuchadnezzar and how Nebuchadnezzar had lifted up his own heart in pride, and God had deposed him, taken away the kingdom, turned him into a beast until he acknowledged God ruled over all. 
And Daniel says to Belshazzar, and you knew all of that. This is evident from the fact that in the 30 or 40 years that it happened since that event, Daniel is nowhere to be found. Daniel, who had stood before the father of this man and brought him the same word of God, Daniel, who as the queen reminds the king, was known by all, known for his wisdom, known for his revelation, known for bringing peace and wisdom and good counsel even to the king, has fallen into disfavor so that the king must offer him something that he already had previously. He's a largely forgotten and disgraced man. And it is others who have to remind the king. And so Daniel reminds him of everything that God had taught his father, everything that he had told his father. And it's all the same word. That the breath of the life of the king of Babylon was in his hand. That all his ways are in the hand of God. That they are all numbered and determined by God. That he is an instrument in the hand of God. So that he belongs to God. And the whole duty of that king was to serve God, glorify God, obey God. But the king had fallen by the pride of man. And now the sin of the father is the sin of the son in his feast and in his refusal to reckon with the judgments of God before him he had not been humbled in his heart but instead had lifted himself up against the God of heaven this was a man who said the whole creation in all things existed for one reason for himself it was all for His power and all His glory. He robbed God of His glory. He exalted Himself above God. He believed that He was God. He fancied Himself the deity, the ruler of men, to do whatever He wanted. And so He could ignore God and His Word. And this was deliberate. And that brought out, is brought out also about when God writes this Word. The then is indeed at the height of this man's pride and his unbelief and his rebellion of God which showed that then was the exact moment he took the holy things of God. Indeed, the holy things that God had allowed his father to carry away out of his temple to Babylon. Things that even the Babylonians had recognized were special, for they had preserved them over the many, many years since they had taken them, and it was apparent hadn't used them for normal purposes. But this king now calls for them. This, of course, is another feature of this world of man and the kingdom of the Antichrist. It is, after all, anti-Christian. What the Bible here reminds us of is that man is never ignorant of God, 
nor ignorant in his sin against God, but he knows who God is. He knows what God requires. And his sin is willful, deliberate rebellion against God. And he shows that by defiling always the holy things of God. Though God ruled over Nebuchadnezzar, and his times were in God's hand, Nebuchadnezzar, nevertheless, was the one who dared lift himself up against the people of God, who dared destroy his Jerusalem, his Zion, enter into his holy sanctuary, and cut off his holy vessels. And it was this God, this king, who now in the height of his pride thought it good to take the holy vessels of God and use them in his profane, blasphemous, adulterous, idolatrous revel-making. Then, then, God says, thou art weighed and found wanting. Another amazing fact is that although these words of God are very clearly written, on the bright plaster of a wall and illumined with candlelight, we read, the king and his men could not read those words. The problem was not that they were written in a foreign language. The problem was not the light itself or the handwriting being illegible. The problem was man's heart. God was showing why it is that man responds the way he does. The issue is his heart. He has eyes to see and ears to hear. He can take in. He can receive. He knows there is a God. But spiritually, he is blind and ignorant. He knows enough so that his sin is willful rebellion. He knows against whom he sins. And he understands the Word of God. And yet, he is blind. That's brought out too. The Word here is pointing out why it is that so many react the same way, both in the kingdom of the Antichrist and in the church that lives in the Babylon of this world. How is it, we say, that man can be so blind. That man can see clearly. His days are numbered. They end soon. That he does not determine when he ends, his days end. But God does. And knows that all of his days are numbered. Weighed in the balance also. And are found wanting. And yet man doesn't see that doesn't want to see that, is blind to it, turns from it, ignores it. goes on not just simply in the world, but the church. It is quite amazing how God has given His Word, written it with His very finger upon the pages of the Bible. Preserve that Word. Calls that Word infallible and inspired. God-breathed. And yet the church is full of learned men and individuals who look at it and stare at it and say, I really don't know what it means. I don't really know what it says. 
or completely turn it on its head. And don't say that can't be us. It happens that individuals live under the Word of God for year after year after year. Same Word. Same Word of God to man. And they either object to that Word and say that's not a Word that we should be hearing in the church. We're after all saved and redeemed. We're elect. We're children of God. Why do we need to hear that Word? Or simply respond the same way. I'll go to church. But they defile the holy things of God. Call their friends and throw a party. Turn the music up. Let the wine flow and let the women dance. It goes on. But the Word of God is, it's all judged. It's all examined. It's all weighed in the balance. And whether you be one of those or whether you be a child of God, indeed, it is all found wanting, lacking. It doesn't measure up to what God requires and what God demands. And God judges it. In one way or another, we all defile the holy things of God, whether it be His sacraments or His Word or His goodness to us in the creation. And there's a, another word, Perez or Eupharsin, which is God's just judgments upon man will indeed be certainly fulfilled. And what those judgments are is that God takes away. You see, that word too is a unit of measure, but it has to refer to something that's made by dividing. Think of a coin. Think of, for example, a shekel, whatever it was. And you take that coin because it's made of silver or gold and you start slicing little pieces of it off. You divide it into successively little pieces until there is no more coin left. And by that, Daniel is given to see that this refers to the kingdom of this man that was numbered, weighed in the balances, and found wanting that God's judgment was it was going to be taken away, divided, but just not divided, and given to another so that one still retains ownership, but taken away entirely, that is, his kingdom, would be pulverized, smashed to pieces so that nothing of it exists. Really the same word of God that had come to Nebuchadnezzar in the dream of the great image, that there would be a stone that would smash that image to pieces, to dust, until it blew away. And that was the word of God again to this great man about his kingdom. And that night, this man was slain. That night, another man took his kingdom. The king, even though God had written these words and sent this prophet to interpret them, did not repent. He is frightened. Oh, he's scared because of the handwriting on the wall. Just like he was frightened and scared that the enemy was outside the walls. 
But his response, like his partying, is not to praise this great God or fall on his knees before him. Oh, he had words of great praise for Daniel and offered him great rewards of earthly riches, but no repentance. When in a few hours the Persians break into the city, this man is not found on his knees in prayer to God, begging his life from God, begging repentance from God, but all his rewards and promises were worthless. He is not found regarding God as holy, but still yet with the holy vessels of God drinking his wine again in a drunken stupor. This is the word of God to man. This is the word of God that will come to the church, especially in the days of the Antichrist, when he has destroyed the church, the Jerusalem of God, the Zion of his people, and laid it waste because of its apostasy and rebellion, when it seems as if there's no hope. And God says, yes, but all such instruments in my hand, being wicked and ungodly, their days are numbered and come to an end. They shall be judged. And in the, king, in the case of the kingdom of the Antichrist and the Antichrist, that kingdom will be taken away and given to his Christ who was Christ all along, whose glory and honor was being usurped, whose name was being blasphemed, whose holy things had been defiled in the most ultimate sense, he comes and saves and redeems his people. It is the word of God then that will be of great hope and comfort to his people, and that's what it ought to be for us also here tonight. How do you respond to that word of God? Hopefully you respond by remembering that this is not the only Word of God. This is not the only handwriting of God. God put a saying above His Christ, crucified on the cross. He is the King. King of the Jews. Our King. This God spoke through that King. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Who spoke into thy hands, I commend my spirit. Who spoke, it is finished. And so the only proper response to this word of God is, yes, Lord, we hear, we understand, and we are sorry for our sins. Forgive us our sins and iniquity. Forgive us our sins and iniquity that deserve us being destroyed even by the ungodly to be cast into hell with the profane and the ungodly. But who casts himself upon the mercy of God as it's revealed in Jesus Christ. Who alone is king. Whom all ought to worship and whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and Father in heaven, we pray that this word may be a word of salvation to us, that tonight 
we respond not in fear or trembling, but that we respond with confidence and hope, realizing that this word has come, that this word, which is a word of judgment, has been fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ for all who trust in Him, and that He reigns forever and ever, that He alone is Lord of lords and King of kings. And we pray, Father, that we may therefore give ourselves to Him, to seek His kingdom and its righteousness, and to pray, come quickly, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.